Do you recall the doomsday predictions of Y2K? The mysterious end of the Mayan calendar in 2012? Or the notorious 1999 prophecy revived by followers of the now-debunked Nostradamus? Throughout history, there have been many failed attempts to predict future events. Only the Bible has a 100% accurate record of fulfilled prophecy. The Bible contains the revelation of God and perfectly foretells future events. This track record not only validates the trustworthiness of the scriptures, but it should make us all lean in and ask, what will happen next? Well, welcome to Christ in Prophecy. I'm your host, Tim Moore, Director and Senior Evangelist for Lamb and Lion Ministries. And I'm joined by Internet Evangelist and my good friend, Nathan Jones, who you've been hearing from already. Together, we are dedicated to helping people understand prophecy because the Bible is clear. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back soon. So, Nathan, you started off by talking about the reliability of Bible prophecy. And indeed, the Bible includes fulfilled prophecies that we can point to. For example, there are more than 100 unique prophecies about the Messiah that were fulfilled perfectly in the life of Jesus when he came the first time. But the Bible also includes predictions about events that are still to come. And God does not want us to be unaware of these coming events. In fact, he has given us an abundance of signs to warn people about future events. Now, if you're not familiar with these warning signs that we call the signs of the times, you may be scratching your head wondering, what does the Bible actually say about the future? Well, Nathan, that's our topic for today. We're going to reveal the signs of the times, explaining what's really happening in the world today from a biblical perspective, and trying to help our listeners get a better idea of how these signs affect their lives, not just in the future, but right here and now. Yes, I think our listeners are really going to enjoy this revealing conversation as we point to specific signs of the times and what they mean. And we'll get underway in just a moment. In the meantime, to find out more about Lamb and Lion Ministries, you can watch our weekly TV program or listen to our podcasts available at ChristInProphecy.org. Did you know that fulfilled prophecy is unique to the Word of God? Only the Bible contains the revelation of God and foretells future events. In fact, Fulfilled Prophecy validates the trustworthiness of the Bible. Every week on Christ in Prophecy, your hosts, Tim Moore and Nathan Jones, examine God's Word and reveal the prophetic hope for those who believe in Jesus Christ, as well as the Bible's warning about God's coming wrath to those who don't know Him yet. To learn more, visit our website at ChristInProphecy.org. If you've traveled to another country and try to interpret their road signs, you know it's tricky. But it's essential to interpret the signs around you in order to reach your destination. You know, Nathan, I've traveled all over the world, and I can uh, attest to that statement. Oftentimes, it's impossible to read the signs because they're in a foreign language unless you understand uh, that red means stop and green means go and, and things of that nature. But it's very important that you begin to have a basic understanding or you'll never reach your destination. Absolutely. Well, Jesus, even when talking with the Pharisees, said this in Matthew 16, you know how to interpret the signs of the sky, but you do not understand the signs of the times. Well, it's clear that many people miss not only the road signs, and we've all done that in the past, but we're missing the signs that Jesus gave us to help us identify the time period we're living in, a time that's meant to identify when his return is coming soon. I think that's so important to understand. And, and even as we talk about the signs of the times, I think people look around today and realize things are happening in the world, but it's impossible unless you have a biblical perspective to put it into a sequence of what does it really mean? What is it pointing to? But 
The Lord is clear that there are many signs we should be looking out for, and quite frankly, the Bible has a lot to say about not just the future, but the future as we are approaching it even in our day and age. That's why we call them the signs of the times. You know, in our opening, we talked about how there are many signs in the Old Testament pointing to the Lord's first advent. We say there are over 300 signs. There's over 100 of them are unique. In other words, there's some duplicates, but there are even more signs in the Old Testament alone pointing to his second coming. Oh, yes. There's 108 prophecies. Some say 109 prophecies specifically about the coming of Jesus Christ. There's 300 general, 109 specific. In the first advent, you mean? In the first advent, yes. And so mathematician Peter Stoner calculated that the probability of just eight, just eight, being fulfilled in the life of one person is one in 10 to the 17th power. That's one followed by 17 zeros. Mathematically, it's impossible in one person. He had this wonderful uh, explanation and illustration to help us understand it. He says, take a coin and mark it and then fill the entire state of Texas two feet deep with coins and then drop that marked coin in, have bulldozers bulldoze it all up, and then send a blind man in and the first coin he picks up, that's the one with the mark. That is one in 10 to the 17th power. It's impossible, right? Unless Jesus Christ is indeed divine and he is. Well, he certainly is. And you know, even as we talk about the signs of the time, The Lord, I think, used the same analogy we did of going down a road and wanting to get to the proper destination. So in Matthew chapter 7, Jesus talked about a wide path to destruction and a narrow path to life. This harkens to me all the way back to Matthew chapter 3 when John the Baptist is described as one who is making straight or making ready the way of the Lord, making his path straight. And you think, well, how can I find this path? Well, the Lord has given us an abundance of signs to find the gospel path. And for those people who have already embraced Jesus Christ as Savior and and worship him as Lord, he's also given signs to head us toward eternity and toward his soon coming. So all these signs are evident before us, and yet so many people are oblivious or at least can't put them into any kind of sequence. Oh, yes. And that was just the first coming we were talking about. For his second coming, you know, we talk about 300 general prophecies, 109 specific prophecies about his first coming. But for his second, 500 general prophecies in the Old Testament and one in 25 verses of the New Testament prophesied the second coming of Jesus. Now, the very fact that Jesus Christ came the first time and fulfilled all 109 prophecies means that we can be sure 100% that he's coming back a second time as he promised. You know very much in Revelation 22, not once, not twice, but three times, Jesus said, I'm coming back soon, I'm coming back soon, I'm coming back soon. That's an ironclad promise. It sure is. And you know, people will say, well, why is the Lord waiting and why is he giving us signs? I think he's waiting because the time is not yet right. It's not the appointed time and because God does not want any to perish. So the signs themselves are evidence that the Lord is warning those who are not yet believers in Jesus Christ that the time is slipping away and they will not have all of eternity to decide. They only have a short window here on earth. And as 2 Peter 3, 9 says, the Lord does not wish any to perish, but for all to come to repentance. And so with Jesus coming soon, I think the urgency of us as a world recognizing how imminent his arrival is and the fact that he's not coming back in grace as he did the first time. He's coming back in wrath. And so the signs 
point to the nearness so that those who are not yet saved can take warning, take heed, and flee into the loving arms of our Savior. So we have always here at Lamb and Lion Ministries categorized the six, well, we have six categories of signs, I should say. What are those signs that we talk about, Nathan, just so we can kind of put them into some recognizable order? Well, there's, uh, you could take six signs of, say, the signs of nature is one category. The signs of society is another. There's spiritual signs, both positive and negative, signs of world politics, signs of technology, and the super sign, the sign of Israel. And so those are the six main categories to help understand all the signs, and there's so many out there. So we have nature, society, spiritual signs, world politics, technology, and Israel. Well, folks, coming up, we're going to talk more about the signs of the times and why you need to pay attention to those signs. But first, we'll give you a weekly update about what's really going on in the world today and how it relates to our topic, the signs of the times. That's coming up. To find out what's really going on in the world, keep listening to Christ in Prophecy, your weekly perspective on the signs of the times through the lens of God's prophetic word. Your hosts are Tim Moore, Senior Evangelist for Lamb and Lion Ministries, and our Internet Evangelist, Nathan Jones. Lamb and Lion is a non-denominational ministry whose purpose is to proclaim to as many people as possible, as quickly as possible, that Jesus is returning soon. To find out more, go to ChristinProphecy.org. Well, we told you today we're going to touch on what's really going on. And even as we talk about the signs of the times, Nathan, we have to take a pause and just address the greatest sign of all and one that's been so evident in the news these last several months, and that is the sign of Israel and even all the unrest that's happening in the Middle East once again today. Yes, the prophet Isaiah made a prophecy that when Israel is regathered a second time, not just the first time, which was from Babylon, but a second time from the four corners of the world, that would mean the Jewish people's nation would rebirth again. Ezekiel chapters 36 and 37 goes into great detail. It has this wonderful imagery of this valley of dry bones, and Ezekiel's shown it, and these dry bones all of a sudden rattle, and they come to life, and they come together, and the muscle and the skin covers over them, and they start breathing, and they become alive again. And it was a prophecy that Israel, which has been a dead nation since 70 AD, would revive and become a real nation again, alive after 1900 years. And that's exactly what happened in May 14th, 1948. Israel became a nation again. And Jesus said, when the nation rebuds like a fig tree, that would be the era or the time period of his return. Well, obviously, we've witnessed that happened uh, within the last hundred years, not personally, although I will say (laughs) that Israel coming back into possession of its ancient capital of Jerusalem happened within my lifetime there during the Six-Day War of 1967. And so all of these old signs, these prophecies have been coming to pass just in recent history. And so it points to, again, the eminence of Jesus' return because he said, when you see this fig tree rebutting, we know that the fig tree symbolically stands for Israel, then you know that he is near right at the door. But in recent months, literally since October 7th, we've watched as terrorists uh, from Gaza, that being Hamas, has come against Israel with great hatred and with just horrific murderous intent, which is part of their charter. They, they are no uh, stranger to, to hatred. What in the world motivates terrorists of the world and so many others who may not be active terrorists but have a, a deep seed of anti-Semitism? 
Well, anti-Semitism, meaning the hatred of the Jewish people, comes from Satan. It's satanic because God chose the Jewish people out of all the people in the world to show his grace and blessings upon the world. He gave the world the Bible. We have the word of God through the Jewish people. We have the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who came through the Jewish people. And the Lord has promised that a saved priestly people, the Jewish people, would become a priesthood during his return as millennial kingdom. So Satan hates the Jewish people. He wants them all dead because he knows that when the Jewish people turn to Jesus as their Savior upon his return and yell out, Baruch, Abab, Shem, Adonai, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, when they finally repent nationally, that's when Jesus will return. And so Satan wants to stop that. And so he, he fires this hatred into people all over the world, this irrational hatred of the Jewish people because he's trying to stop God's plan. You know, it's interesting to me, if you look at the Old Testament, you can see evidence of how God chooses people. He chose the Jewish people, but he chooses others to be instruments of his will in the earth. So you think about the two first or the first two kings of Israel. Saul was the choice of the people. He looked like a king. But the second king, David, was God's choice. And at first, he didn't look like a king. He was the last choice of the sons of Jesse, and yet that's who God chose. And as soon as David was chosen, an evil spirit came upon Saul, and this evil spirit motivated Saul to hate David. And so today, those who are consumed with hate and want to destroy the Jewish people, we know from Scripture, that it is an evil spirit that is motivating him. It is a satanic hatred because Satan has always hated the Jews. They're God's chosen. He doesn't want them to uh, to be completed in terms of God's promises to them. So if, God, if Satan could eradicate the Jews, then he could prove God a liar. He's tried to do so over and over again. In the Old Testament, Haman, let his name ever be cursed, tried to obliterate the Jews. In modern era, Hitler tried to obliterate the Jews. And today, Hamas and Hezbollah and other evildoers are trying to obliterate the Jews, but they will not be obliterated. As a matter of fact, in Amos chapter 9, verse 15, where the Lord says, when the Jewish people have been returned to their land, they will never again be displaced. And so we know the Lord will fulfill all his promises to the Jewish people, which assures us that he'll fulfill his promises to us as well. Well, welcome back to this episode of Christ in Prophecy. We're talking today about the signs of the times, and we've already gone through the six categories of signs, the signs of nature, society, spiritual signs, both positive and negative, world politics, technology, and Israel. And Nathan, in the weeks to come, we're going to get into each of these categories in great depth. Today, we're just giving a broad overview, but where would you say our listeners could be encouraged as they look around the world and they see current events? How do they fit into place? Well, they fit into place because the God who created the universe knows how human history is going to end. And it's going to end with Jesus's victory and through him, our victory as well. So we can have great hope in this time period because we know that Jesus will be triumphant. The evil of this world will be destroyed and Jesus forever kingdom will be set up. So we're looking forward to that time period. We certainly are. You know, our good friend Jan Markell likes to say the world is not just falling to pieces. And if you look around, that's exactly what you think. The world is falling to pieces. But as she said, the pieces are falling in place, that being the prophetic pieces. If you understand what the Bible has foretold about the end times, about the very signs of the times we're talking about, you realize that just like a puzzle, all of these pieces are falling into place. And 
human history and really God's account of human history and how it culminates and ends is coming into greater and greater focus. Well, obviously, we need to understand the signs of the times. Nathan, just as an aside, have you ever received a ticket uh, driving down the road for any potential infraction that you didn't even know existed? Have you ever been in a jurisdiction where the laws were a little bit different than you were used to? Oh, goodness. I was driving through New Jersey once and uh, had this old rattle trap of a car and I got pulled over for speeding. And I was asked the cop, I said, uh, you know, how can I get pulled over for speeding? I'm lucky if this thing can get up to 65. Well, I had taken my seatbelt off to get my wallets to show him my, my license. And he gave me a ticket for not having a seatbelt. And I was wearing a seatbelt the whole time. That to this day really bothers me. So yes, uh, I was in, got an infraction for speeding, which I didn't think I was speeding. And I got an infraction for not wearing my seatbelt. So yes, I miss that. <laughs> well, and I think sometimes we get in trouble for things that at the moment we didn't realize uh, was an infraction. And yet uh, we've all been told when it comes to driving that ignorance of the law is no excuse. And yet some people, I think, look at Scripture and they say, well, I'm just not aware, so God won't hold me accountable for my ignorance. And yet that is clearly not the case uh, over and over again throughout the Old Testament, the children of Israel being a model of God disciplining those whom he has called were not given a pass just because of supposed ignorance. Well, it goes back to what we said earlier in Matthew 16, where Jesus said, you know how to interpret the signs in the sky. In other words, you're a weatherman. You can go outside and, hey, look, there's some clouds. It might rain. Or it's a beautiful sunny day. Hey, it's going to be warm. I don't need to wear a raincoat. Those are the signs that Jesus said we can notice, obviously. Well, the signs of the times are a little different. The only way you'd recognize those is to read the Bible particularly Matthew 24, Luke 21, Mark 13, are three chapters that Jesus answers the question, well, what signs are leading up to his return? And he gives 10 categories of signs, false prophets and wars and rumors of wars, famines and pestilence and great signs in the sky, great social upheaval and the world being against Jerusalem. And so those signs were meant to be recognized so that we knew the day of his coming. And he also compared it to giving birth. Now, you and I have never given birth, but we've watched our wives do that a few times. And we remember that in the beginning, when the contractions come, they're not as intense and they're not as frequent. But as it gets closer to the baby, they grow in frequency and intensity. And Jesus compared that. He says, these signs are going to be like birth pains. They will increase in frequency and intensity the closer we get to his return. So by reading the Bible, we know the signs. We see them increasing like, say, natural disasters. And then we know that Jesus Christ is right around the corner. You know, it's funny you talk about the uh, <clears throat> signs of weather that the Lord hearkened to. I've never been a sailor, but even I know the old sailor's uh, mantra, red sky at night, sailor's delight, red sky in, in morning, sailor take warning. Oh, and yes. so that sign is well known to most of mankind. Similarly, I've never given birth to a baby, but I know <laughs> that when that child is coming soon and very soon and the labor pains start infrequently and without great intensity— that the child is coming soon and very soon. And as the labor pains increase, you still can't set your watch according to, oh, the baby's going to be here in seven hours and 13 minutes, but you know the child is coming soon. And so as we see these signs multiplying, 
we know that Jesus is at the very gates of heaven, something he said again in Matthew chapter 24. And yet many people scoff. They say, well, there's always been, always been hurricanes and, and forest fires and natural disasters. There's nothing new. And Peter addressed that very scoffing in his second letter. What did he have to say? Oh, he said that uh, scoffers would come in the last days. They would deny three things. They would deny the creation, they would deny the flood, and they deny the return of Jesus Christ. What do we see today, especially with secular humanism and evolution? A blatant denial of all those three things, a willful ignorance to deny the signs of the times. The other thing that's most tragic about Peter's statement, uh, and you can read this in Second Peter chapter 3, when he talks about those scoffers, is I've learned, Nathan, and so have you, that oftentimes the scoffers are not out in the secular world. The scoffers are inside the church because the secular world has no idea of the promise of his coming. But people in the church have heard about this, even if they haven't been exposed to much preaching on Bible prophecy, and too often they scoff. And yet the Lord would want us to be discerning of the signs because he wants us to be encouraged, and he wants us to be more urgent about our evangelism. As a matter of fact, even as we point to the signs of the times, this is not just for a gee whiz exposure to what is to come. Our purpose here at Lamb and Lion Ministries of emphasizing the signs of the times is so that we call Christians to urgent evangelism, to holy living, and to keeping their eyes on Jesus Christ. And we call those who do not yet know him as Savior and worship him as Lord to flee from the wrath to come, and as I said earlier, into the loving arms of our Savior. So we pray that all of you listening today have done that. And Nathan, how can they get more information about our ministry if they would like to know how to follow Christ? They can come to our website at ChristinProphecy.org. Right on the homepage, just click the Salvation button. Well, we'll be right back in just a moment, and I'll share a word with you as a final uh, note of encouragement today. Hi, this is Tim Moore inviting you to join me on Saturday, March 2nd, for a one-day regional Bible conference called Everlasting to Everlasting. I'll be sharing prophetic insights from Genesis to Revelation alongside the president of the Institute for Creation Research, Dr. Randy Galiza. Join us in person at the ICR Discovery Center in Dallas, Texas, or you can watch the live stream from anywhere. For additional details, go to christinprophecy.org events. You know, one time I embarked on a road trip with a colleague to attend a legislative meeting on the western edge of Kentucky. As we began to return home, we were enjoying the drive and so engrossed in conversation that we missed an important turn that would actually take us back home. Unfamiliar with our surroundings, we drove on for 15 to 20 miles before we realized that we were headed in the wrong direction. Fortunately, we were able to backtrack and correct our mistake. Most of us can relate to that kind of common human error. It causes aggravation in the moment, but in hindsight, we either shake our head or chuckle at our own mistake. But this human tendency to be so engrossed in the moment and distracted about what is going on around us and the signs meant to advise us can have catastrophic and even eternal consequences. For those hurling through life without a thought about their eternal destination, ignoring the signs God has graciously provided is not only foolish, it is wrong. In Romans 1, Paul wrote, beginning in verse 18, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, for God made it evident to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes 
both his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not glorify him as God or give thanks, but they became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish heart was darkened. In other words, there were things that could be seen about God. These are the very kind of signs that we've been talking about today. Friends, God wants to deliver you from death and put you on the road to eternal life. He is so committed to your salvation that he sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to die in your place. All that is required on your part is faith, belief in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, the perfect Lamb of God sacrificed on your behalf. Again, as Romans 1.17 says, the righteous will live by faith. If you are already on the straight and narrow path to the place Jesus is preparing for you, God has also graciously provided signs to encourage you, signs to let you know that we're approaching our destination, signs to advise you to put away foolish things and be intentional about serving the Lord in the short time we have left. Whether you need to open your eyes to the warnings God is sending or to the encouragement he is providing through prophetic signs coming to pass before our eyes, I'd encourage you to pay attention. Jesus chastised the Pharisees and Sadducees for recognizing the signs of the sky, but failing to discern the signs of the times. The signs of the times are shouting that Jesus is at the very gates of heaven right now. Are you paying attention? Yeah.